Hello and welcome to episode 7 of No Offense with Matt Shepard, one fan's review of the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. So I'm going to go back to the way I was doing things before of covering each day as I went along. I kind of like that uh, aspect. If you did, any of you who like the idea of the daily thing, or if you want me to just cover the stories, you know, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Matt S underscore 2020. Okay, so let's get into it. Monday we covered the Super Bowl, or I should say David covered the Super Bowl, for the majority of the episode, and there are a few things that he covered that I want to highlight. You know, as always, if you aren't listening to Nothing Personal with David Sampson, you should be. It is the best sports business podcast, and really one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. And, you know, once you listen to one episode, you're going to be hooked. It's well worth the 45 minutes of your time each day, Monday to Friday. Uh, and of course... As always, you know, I'm not affiliated in any way with the podcast, CBS, CB, yeah, CBS, uh, or Dave or anybody like that. I just like the show and want to do a review. So Monday, one of the things David covered was how Roger Goodell couldn't be happier that the Super Bowl happened. This is because, of course, all the negative press that had been in the run-up. And to be honest with you, I can't remember the last time there was this much bad press before Super Bowl. I mean, between the Brian Flores and Stephen Ross with the Dolphins fiasco, you know, which Ross may have to sell, or the Dan Snyder, who, you know, he may also have to sell, and all his fiasco. And then, of course, you throw in Adrian Peterson getting arrested the day of, and Alvin Kamara getting arrested after the uh, Pro Bowl, you know, the week before. This, all of this stuff here is just a bad look for the NFL. But all of it went away with the Super Bowl. And why is that? You know, in David's opinion, and it's something I never really thought about, but I definitely agree with his opinion. It's basically, you know, the Super Bowl in his event is an event, and people like events. You know, we go to parties, we watch and talk about the halftime show, we focus on that. You know, in his example of how do you deal with bad press, one of the things he mentioned is it's like this. It's like leaving an island uh, and smelling terrible up until, you know, you get covered in a really nice, sweet perfume. You know, in the Super Bowl is that perfume, and we only smell that going forward. Now, of course, that's referencing his time on Survivor. Uh, he was voted the first one out off the island, but, I mean, it makes sense. It's a good analogy, and I like it. It's, it might be a metaphor. Not sure. <laughs> uh, but I agree with it. It's, it's the same. I mean, you had this horrible news day after day in the week leading up to the Super Bowl. You had owners like Snyder speaking out and as I talked about earlier that as David said you don't do that that's the one thing the leagues don't want is they don't want this bad press in the lead up to because of course if you can have good press that's even better but you've got all the Brian Flores the lawsuit and every day something new was coming out you know you had all the issue of the Texans the hiring of that and that didn't really look good you had Dan Snyder and the Congress testimony and then his terrible responses so you basically you have an entire week, two weeks really, of just bad press after bad press after bad press. But of course, we all forget about it because it's the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter who's playing, doesn't matter what the halftime show is, there's always something to talk about based on the Super Bowl. You know, people love the halftime show. I, for one, loved it. It's nostalgia for me. Uh, but then there's people who don't enjoy it. And then there's people who think, eh, we don't need nostalgia, let's go something new. But that's not talking about Brian Flores and Ross or Dan Snyder. So I definitely see that he's right on that, that it doesn't matter the bad press when you have something like this. 
you know, and of course it shows that, you know, no one noticed the late night story of Ross and Snyder, you know, after the Super Bowl. And the fact that there's, you know, the investi- NFL is now investigating, which, as I stated earlier, could talk about, you know, Ross and Snyder, or one of them, losing the team. Of course, Snyder was all the sexual harassment and all that, just being a dirtbag owner, and Stephen Ross of the paying or offering to pay Brian Flores $100,000 to lose, tanking. So the NFL gets to do that, and is it even mentioned anywhere? Is it is any of it continuing? No, it's all about the Super Bowl. It's all about, will Cincinnati make it back? It's all about the Rams. Will the Rams make it back? And I mean, it, even better for the NFL was all the, the retirement talk of Sean McVay and Aaron Donald. And so it's all these things get wrapped up in that Super Bowl, and we forget about it. So I think that it's 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 true. We forget about it. And as David puts it, is that the NFL is never really going to change as long as there are enablers, you know, and, and that's us. You know, we can scream and yell about scandals till the cows come home. And I think this is also true for the current Olympics that are, well, I think, ended today. Uh, and that's true. We can scream and yell about this controversies, about people being banned, countries and doping and, and the human rights. But as long as we tune in in the tens of millions and hundreds of millions, why would the NFL and replace that Olympics, FIFA, and the World Cup. Why would they ever change? Why would anyone change? You know, it's, it's, you gotta look at it from their standpoint. Hey, they're making money even though people hate you. Who cares? You know, to be honest with you, I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, if I'm making the millions of dollars and somebody's like, well, everybody hates you, well, I don't care. I mean, if somebody wanted to sponsor this podcast and say, here's a hundred grand a month, but everybody's gonna hate you. I don't care. I'm doing this podcast and making a fortune. So, yeah, if somebody's willing to pay, it's there. It's only when somebody says, we're not going to sponsor you anymore, Matt, because people hate your podcast and nobody's listening. Well, then that's going to force me to change. But, I mean, that's that's the reality of it. As long as we're watching, as long as there are people tuning in, I guarantee you, if we didn't tune in, and I'm saying we as fans of the NFL, if we didn't tune into that Super Bowl, there would be change. Because when the numbers show and they go, how many, you know, what, 100, 200, whatever, 100 million, 150, 120 million people watch the Super Bowl? And the response is, no, five. Sponsors are going to get scared. Uh, the ad companies are going to get scared. The next Super Bowl, they're not going to command $7 million for an ad. They might get 700000 because people are going to say, it's not worth it. And we respond as fans, well, that's because of Dan Snyder. That's because of Stephen Ross. Those two owners would be gone in a New York minute if we did that as fans. But, I mean, I know I'm. it's kind of the pot calling the kettle black because I watched Super Bowl. I'm one of those, one of those hundred and something million who watched it. But that is that is the reality. So, I think that we kind of have to we kind of have to come to a realization at a bit of a crossroads. We either care enough to try and affect change, and that's tuning it out. It's not tuning it out forever. It's just one Super Bowl. And I think I could do that. I mean, I have skipped Super Bowls in the past that I just have not been interested in. I think if we did that as society, we would see change, and it wouldn't have to be forever. It's just the thought. It happened once, it can happen again. Do it once, never have to do it again. So, I don't think anything's going to change, but it's nice to think. So, the next thing that David covered on Monday that I really want to discuss was also the refereeing of the game. 
you know, David gave us some insight, reminding us all, and he said it before in the past, but he reminded it this time, is that all leagues talk to refs before big games, which of course makes sense. You don't want any surprises, you want to make sure everybody's on the same page. But what David talked about, and I completely agree, was the change in how the game was refereed in the first three quarters. No whistle, even with that blatant pass interference against Jalen Ramsey, where his basically head was twisted off by, I forget who it was, on the Bengals. And a touchdown scores. Yes, they don't call offensive pass interference. I mean, that was the clearest pass interference I've ever seen. I mean, I was I was rooting for the Bengals. I'm not going to lie. You can listen to my last episode. I thought the Bengals were going to win, and it looked like they could have. But here you have a defender whose head is practically twisted off, and he, of course he falls. Touchdown. That's pass interference every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But we didn't get a whistle. Yet, the fourth quarter, and the whistle comes out. Like, <laughs> now you're calling everything. You know, as David puts it in, and from, of course, from the baseball perspective is how can you call the game differently in the ninth inning versus say the third and I agree and he also goes on you know in one of the statements he makes it kind of fits this whole situation in the way of thinking is how players and people think you know for baseball that April games don't matter in baseball only September and he reminds us that all the games count in the standings which of course which is true and of course he said divisional games count even more because you beat a divisional rival you go up one game they drop a game so it's the equivalent of two so this this thinking of well it doesn't matter now it'll matter later no everything matters now but of course to go back to the refereeing as he said how can you hold your whistle or swallow your whistle as an example for three quarters and all of a sudden decide you know to 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 referee the fourth quarter and, you know, as he said, if you're going to swallow your whistle for the first three quarters, you swallow it until the end of the game. And that's something I completely agree with. You either call everything throughout the game, or you don't call anything. But you can't change. You, 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 they changed, in my opinion, they changed the outcome of the game. And I don't know if they don't act and call those whistles in the fourth quarter against the Bengals for the Rams. I don't think the Rams win. It's just, I, I don't think they do. And to me, that changed the outcome of the game. Now, people are going to probably argue with me and think, what are you talking about? But no, I do. I think that uh, that it changed the outcome of the game. And if you're going to swallow your whistle for three quarters, I agree, you swallow that for the four quarters. I don't like a game where everything is called and there's a whistle and a yellow flag every every second play, but I don't want to see blatant pass interference, offensive pass interference, and twisting a player's head off and the ref's going, meh know even for a team I'm rooting for if it means that the team I'm rooting for is probably going to is going to be screwed over in the fourth quarter when it counts because the NFL I don't know if I'm not saying the NFL wanted the Rams to win but it appears like that why why change why why change I mean if they change in the third quarter I might have said okay but the fourth quarter it's like well now it counts so now we're going to start being refs I'm not cool with that it's a bad look for the NFL and I know the NFL is a juggernaut but if I was the NFL, I'd want to clamp down on this too and figure out a way of being in the middle ground where you're not calling everything, but when you twist a defensive player's head around, that gets a call. So that's that's fine by me. Uh, and do that because while you might be a juggernaut now, no one remains a juggernaut forever. And it's too late when you stop being a juggernaut, and sometimes you don't know when that downfall might be. 
And I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination, I'm not saying in any means, I should say, that this is how the NFL falls. I'm not. But stuff like this is how it happens. Where, and especially with gambling now, you're going to get dicey that if people are going to be gambling. And they are also talking about in-game gambling. So you want to do that, and all of a sudden you're sitting there going, all right, awesome, uh, I'm going to win a lot of money on this. Now I'm not. Wonderful. Now the refs decided to ref. People, yeah, that happens every now and then, and even for a Super Bowl, that's fine. But if next year's Super Bowl is the same, and the year after that is the same, where it's like three quarters, there's nothing, fourth quarter, red zone, refs decide to be refs, that could come back to haunt the NFL. You know, I, I'm not guaranteeing that it will, but again, when a juggernaut falls, you never know when it happens. And when you look back, you can say, well, that's why it happened. But it's too late to stop it or change it. You've already fallen, and you can't get up. Okay, so Tuesday, the story that really spoke to me was the rumor of Tottenham Hotspur, an English soccer club, or football, if you technically want to be correct, hosting a Super Bowl in 2026. Or it might be the future. I'm not exactly sh sure, to be honest with you. But they want to host an upcoming Super Bowl. You know, and David brings up the point on this, uh, which is true, about how the NFL wants to move to London and move to Europe to grow the game. And, you know, they, I, they're playing in Germany next season. And so having the Super Bowl in London makes perfect business sense. And having the NFL, in David's opinion, being first means that they will do this to have a championship game in outside of your own country. You know, they're going to run to the money. And one of the things he talked about, this was a bit of a shorter segment, so I'm going to really give my own opinions a bit more than that. You know, one of the ones he talked about is the weather won't be an obstacle. So people kind of said that. And as the NFL plays in the snow and the rain uh, in December and in January in the NFL, in London it's not going to be a problem. You know, and the fans are going to be covered in that stadium, so it's more than okay. But... This is something that, so everything that he said, I agree with. I 100% agree with, with the running to the money. They want to be first. The stadium fits. You know, you've got the London game. But I, I don't think that moving the Super Bowl and expanding the league is a really smart decision. You know, uh, something that I, I don't know if he didn't think of it or forgot. Maybe he doesn't know. I, I doubt that at all. Or maybe he doesn't even remember or wasn't thinking about it. Does anybody, does anybody remember what's called NFL, what was it called? No, it was the World League of American Football, which then changed its name to NFL Europe, uh, and then finally NFL Europa. Anybody remember that? For those of you who don't, basically from 1991 until 2007, the NFL had teams in Canada for a spell for about a year, 91 to 92. They also had teams in the States, uh, but they had bulk of it was in Germany, the Netherlands, Spain, and the UK. And it was an absolute failure. The juggernaut of the NFL got it wrong. And of course they did. You know, uh, London may love having games there, but I think in my opinion, it's due to the small sample size and expats. But making a league, you know, I, I don't think it's going to work. And so moving the Super Bowl there is just not a smart decision. Yes, people want to go and see a game or two, and yes, they're going to get excited. Anybody, no one's spending the money you're spending to go to an NFL game to sit there quietly. And British fans, sports fans, rowdy. I mean, they talk about soccer hooligans. Again, not saying they're all soccer hooligans who are going there, but 
you know, you're going to get excited. And yes, a city like London has expats. So you're going to have Canadians and Americans who love the NFL and, and want to go see it. If I lived in London, I'd go see a game 100%. I'd go see a game, NFL game where if it's NFL teams, preseason, regular season, if I'm living abroad and the NFL wants to come, they're in Tokyo and I'm in Tokyo. I'm seeing that game because I love the NFL. But a league... I'd go to Super Bowl, certainly, but a league, if you're doing a Super Bowl, you want to grow that sport. So if there's a rumor, as David says, this is looking like it could happen. And so if you want to do that, you mean, it means you want to have a league. You've done, been there, done that. You know, I think if you create new teams, no one over here is going to care about them. And if no one over here cares, do you expect Europeans will care? And that's part of what helps grow a team. I mean, all these teams in Europe no one cared about them over here and that affects your product and moving a team to Europe which I know has been thrown around in the past I can guarantee you the fans from here will not follow and no owner is going to do that uh, you know I, I just I mean imagine I mean uh, just a rumor I'm not saying it but imagine the Dallas Cowboys being the London Cowboys or the Berlin Cowboys it's not going to work so a team the fans here are not going to do it, and so an owner's not going to leave it, especially with all these new teams and big stadiums and all this stuff, the money invested, it's not an easy move. And I believe, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars with Shot Khan, because he owns uh, soccer teams over there, that it's been mentioned there. You're going to send Jacksonville. <laughs> Jacksonville's going to be your team to be in London. Wow. I love the NFL. I wouldn't want the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, no, a hundred times no. I would love an NFL team. I would bankrupt where I live to get a good team. The Jacksonville Jaguars, you couldn't pay me to take the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm sorry. So, of course, you know, in Jacksonville, will they even miss them? I don't know. But I just don't see that being a success because... When you're asking European fans to pay for, say, if it is Jacksonville, uh, are the teams going to be happy for one, having to constantly fly over and, you know, all of this and the Jaguars having to fly back? I mean, you've got your conference games. Are they going to move conferences depending on where they are? You know, you've got, they've got to fly out. You've got to fly it. It gets complicated to have eight teams, so I don't see that ever happening. But another league, well, fans, if they're in London, Fans love it. They love those leagues and those players. It's like the NBA in China. The Chinese fans don't want, you know, the Shanghai Lakers. They want the LA Lakers. The LA Lakers can't move to China. Never going to happen. But they love the current NBA, the current players. They love LeBron James. They love Steph Curry. So to say, well, they'll love the next round of players, you're not getting Steph Curry and LeBron James to go over there. So it's the same thing here. So even if the London fans, even if somebody tells me the fans in the UK and fans in Germany actually love the NFL, they love the current NFL. They love the New England Patriots. They love the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. They love the LA Rams, the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants. Maybe they love the Jacksonville Jaguars. They love, you know, the Chicago Bears. They love the players there. They love the history here. So to turn around and say, we're going to give you the London Monarchs, which is what they did. Who's playing on that team? 
No one that we know. I don't remember anybody who played on the London Monarchs. Tom Brady never played on the London Monarchs. So you're not going to have that. Fans are going to look at it and go, this is this is the NFL light. This isn't what we want. I mean, I don't care for that. I want the NFL. Yet no team is going to want to move. And if they do, it's not going to work long term. I guarantee it. It just won't. So you're going to create another league. You already did that and it failed. What's it going to be different this time? You know, I like Premier League soccer. I like teams. My favorite team is in the Bundesliga in Germany, Bayern Munich. I like the players that are on Bayern Munich. If you tell me that Bayern Munich is going to come to where I live and set up a North American version, I don't care because it's not Bayern Munich. It's local players who are already in the MLS. If I wanted the MLS, I'd watch the MLS. So you're going to say, well, we're going to draft a whole bunch of players. <sighs> who are you going to get? You're not going to be able to have the pay the salary for the NFL in Europe. So you're going to be drafting local people and you know, a lot of maybe CFL players from here in Canada, or it's going to be all the players who couldn't make it. So what is it, the XFL and the AF and all those? A bunch of no-name players playing in Europe. That's not going to work. The NFL did it. So I think if the NFL does the Super Bowl in Tottenham, that's guaranteeing they want to expand the league. But it's going to fail because that's one thing teams and leagues don't think about is just because you have support in a foreign country doesn't mean they're going to support whatever you do. They love the league as it is in the States. You know, fans in China love the current NBA. They love the Houston Rockets. They love the Knicks. They love the Lakers. They love LeBron, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant. They don't want a knockoff version. You know, uh, fans in Japan love baseball, and fans in the Dominican love the Yankees. They love the Red Sox, the Dodgers. They don't want a knockoff version. So to say, well, they love us in, you know, Latin America and South America, so we're going to expand Major League Baseball. Well, are you moving the L.A. Dodgers? Are you moving the New York Knicks? Because if you're not, it's going to fail. Because who's going to look around and say, well, I love the... The, the Yankees and I love the Dodgers but they're not coming to play here I'm just getting the you know the Dominican whatever team well I don't care for that if I wanted that I'd watch local it's no different than watching local baseball oh because it has the MLB logo that's not enough I want to watch the Yankees same for, for hockey I mean the NHL is here yes there's the KHL in Europe and there's all the leagues in Europe but Europeans don't want uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs junior team I want Wayne Gretzky. You're giving me the NHL in Europe, but it's just European players. We already have that. So <laughs> I think this is, personally, I think it'll be a failure. I think if they do the Super Bowl in Tottenham, I think it's a mistake. I think if they decide to actually do a league in Europe again, another mistake. I also think that if, you know, the, the this rumors of the expansion team and all of that and, and you see it, I think again, like that's gonna be a mistake because it isn't gonna work out. Teams are not gonna wanna travel constantly and every 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 home game means that team has to go to Europe and every away game that team has to go to North America. It just it isn't gonna work. I mean the NFL's not in Hawaii. And don't tell me the Hawaiian fans, you know, Honolulu, big enough city they don't want an NFL team. Why don't you want to go there? The distance of travel. And I know London is, is closer and Europe is closer than Hawaii. But it's not for a West Coast team. 
<laughs> it is not. And there are West Coast teams and even teams into Texas and, you know, Colorado. So really, you're going to limit it to the East Coast teams. And I know that can still work, but I don't see that's going to be increased costs, increased costs for the team based in London. It's also going to be increased costs for the teams based in North America. And as well, I don't know how much the players are going to want to going to want to uproot and leave because you're going to have to to do it. And if you're going to do an expansion team in the NFL, well, now you're at 33 teams, so it's going to odd number teams. Are they, if they're fine with that, that's okay. But are you going to have another expansion team in North America? Are you going to have to start growing? Or are you going to have to have multiple teams in Europe and a whole division in Europe? I I don't I don't see. I just don't see it working. If they couldn't make the NFL Europe League work, I don't see one team in London because it's it's not enough. You have to have rivalries where you are. So even to say, well, we'll just do the, what the NFL and the rumors are as just an expansion team. Well, so far away from North America, from the U.S., you need to have teams there. I mean, the rivalry isn't there. What, one NFL team in London? That's not enough. You need more. And now you're talking NFL Europe, or NFL Europa again, a failure. So I think this is this is where they're, they see the money, they see the greed, and that's what they want. And big mistake, in my opinion. A big mistake if this, is, if this actually goes ahead. Wednesday is a little bit different. There was a topic that I wanted to cover, and David covered the issue of the Tyler Skaggs and Eric Kay legal battle. And he talked about the opioid crisis. And, of course, Tyler Skaggs was the pitcher who uh, died from a fentanyl overdose. And Eric Kay was the one being charged with giving him those drugs. And I thought about it. I had notes ready to go for it. But I'm not going to be reviewing that. It's not because I don't any my feelings on it. I think, uh, and as well, a follow-up that happened throughout the week. Uh, as well, David covered it again, giving updates on the trial. I just don't think that I can do justice on a topic like that. I think it should be heard from the horse's mouth. I don't feel I have the ability to really give a good review on that yet. You know, still, I'm still getting my sea legs under me on this, and I don't think I can do it in the necessary manner. And it's an extremely important topic. Uh, I thought about covering it, but I just. David does a much better job, and he really does. I know I say, if you know, if you haven't listened to it, you should listen to this topic, listen to this show, this episode, but Wednesday's episode on the opioid crisis was... It was brilliant. It was, yeah. He covered, really, life, and I think it was absolutely brilliant. It was introspection. It was explanations. It, it was brilliant. Uh and it is something that is affecting America right now, the op- opioid crisis, and there's documentaries galore on it, lawsuits all the time. So I, I, I can't give justice to it and to review it. There are certain times when you have to realize where your limitations are. Maybe down the road, maybe I have more experience. Uh, I could feel comfortable covering it and, and giving it justice. But in my weekly review show, I don't know if I could give justice on a topic like that and then how we handle it, which was brilliant. So I'm not going to cover it even though I wanted to, but I really wanted to highlight it. And I really think, you know, you have to listen to that episode. If you're sitting here thinking, eh, I don't really want to, or I listen to this podcast, we'll see what it's like. Maybe you're listening to me instead. I don't know. 
but you have to listen to David Sampson's podcast on that day on Wednesday. It was phenomenal. What I do want to cover, Joe, during that episode was the ongoing Ben Simmons. I don't want to say saga, but yeah, I guess I say saga. So Ben Simmons gave a press conference after being traded uh, where he talked about you know, how he's not quite ready to play, and he also talked about the dark days he had had prior to the trade. And this is one, and I also want to cover this because David began talking about, you know, how he had piled on him, and he was wrong, and okay to admit that he was wrong, and, and you know, what was he talking about? He, what he was talking about, which I think I can also fall into the same thing he was saying, is that he did not mean to say, or didn't intend to say, you know, that Simmons is behind and behind mental illness. And I don't think that he was either, but that it was, he was saying that it's a, possi- a possibility that he could be, you know, kind of giving that. And I, and I do agree with it. I do agree that, you know, uh, we don't know if this is true, but, uh, you know, he, as he, David talked about, you know, he said it in such a way that it made it appear that he was making a statement that he was. And I feel that where I reviewed it, I should probably say the same thing, uh, that I may have sounded the same. You know, I certainly wasn't. I, I don't know Ben Simmons, and I agree with David, it is a possibility. You know, but as David puts it, we will never know if he's telling the truth or not, you know, which I agree. Uh, and it's not as David also goes on to say, it's not really for us to know, and I agree. Uh, I do, you know, agree that, and all these things I said about the mental illness, and if he's hiding behind it, it's not good, because it could hurt uh, the fight for mental health awareness. Uh, so I, I do think that that's always a possibility, and I think that's all that was being stated. I agree with David on, on that side of it, that there's always a possibility. I mean, there's always a possibility anytime somebody is doing something. We can put an altruistic or positive spin on it, but there's also the time that somebody might be using it, knowing that we're going to do that, knowing that we might give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, But yeah, it's just putting it out that there's always a possibility. You know, when he goes on to make a really good point about how, you know, mental health affects everyone, you know, in in David's statement, you know, whether you're rich or poor, famous or not, and that is true 100%. You know, no one is above addiction, depression, or other mental health issues which, you know, I agree 100%. And so when we look at Ben Simmons and say, you know, what the hell do you have to be sad about? In my opinion, I think what's end up happening is we're putting our lives and our problems on him and saying, of course, you know, with that money and fame, we wouldn't be sad. And for us, yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, that kind of money for me right now, (laughs) it's like the old saying is, what is it? uh, You know, you don't cry in a Ferrari. And that's true for a lot of people who's, things are money-related, job-related, but doesn't mean that, you know, somebody who's rich and famous or a professional athlete like Ben Simmons doesn't have problems, you know, uh, we're putting ourselves in his shoes and saying, what the hell, do you have to be sad, why are you depression, what do you mean dark days, you're Ben Simmons, you're making more in, in a year than the 99% will make in a lifetime, but that's not really how we should be looking at it, you know, uh, he may not have the same reasons as us, but he has his own mental health struggles and his own dark days, and they are still dark to him as they will be dark to us. You know, the reasons may vary, but a dark day is a dark day. And, you know, and now the more that I thought about this and, and listening to David, and I kind of went back to my original thought on Ben Simmons, to be honest with you, after the freezing that he had in the playoffs and didn't take that shot last season that led to all of this. 
you know, before the talking heads, and I'm not referring to David because I wasn't listening to David at the time, but at the time I had been thinking, you know, it could... He froze and he didn't take the shot, and it could be mental health. You know, I certainly am not putting it on there. I'm not saying he has anything because, again, I don't know Ben Simmons and I'm not an expert. As David was saying, it's a possibility that it could might not be, and I agree with that, but I'm also saying it could be. You know, but there was definitely something that was going on you know, you don't freeze like that as a professional basketball player underneath the rim, an easy layup, and you win the game, and you froze. But what I kind of want to cover now, and I think is something that people aren't covering, that a lot of the press piled on Ben Simmons immediately after, but they also, and again, I'm not referring to David because I wasn't listening to the show at the time, but a lot of the press, a lot of the talking heads on the sports, you know, sports shows, they piled on him. And one thing they left out, though, and I think, yes, there's definitely something there that made him not shoot. You know, I, you always hear talk about golfers and the yips. Well, that can be for any sport. Uh, you know, as we see Schifrin in the Olympics, and she's obviously having something. So athletes can have varying degrees of something stopping them from performing. And I think Ben Simmons had that. And he had it throughout the season, and it really manifested itself in that, that time, that pressure. Uh, but one thing that I really want to cover and I think did not help the situation is something that the, that I don't want to say mainstream media because it makes me sound but what the talking heads in sports aren't saying is what about Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers and their comments about the game why are they not being held responsible or partially responsible you know we hear from and David has talked about this since I've been listening to his show and also but exec, executives across and, and players and coaches about how you know don't air your dirty laundry in the media and David makes this comment a lot but has someone told Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid that you know how about we hold them accountable and stop acting like they are any sort of victim or how they're suffering you know if I was Ben Simmons I can tell you sitting out would have been the least of my actions after comments like that about from Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers after that game about how they threw him under the bus without even talking to him I don't care about you say the 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 heat of the moment we we looked at Richard Sherman after that if anybody remembers from a few years ago after there was a game that Richard Sherman came up pumped up screaming yelling up after a big win in the playoffs and a reporter and the reporter was kinda of taken back and everybody piled on Richard Simmons like dude calm down and we we put that on him of don't care that you're in the moment you gotta calm down you can't come in hot like that on a reporter so if we're telling Richard Sherman to calm down why are Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid giving the pass it's the same thing it was a playoff it was a playoff victory for Sherman but we we held him accountable and we called him out for it for coming in hot like that and being over the top Yet, we're not saying that for Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers. And Doc Rivers himself should have known that with his experience. You know, you, you don't do that. So, I mean, I think Ben Simmons handled it quite well. I mean, if it was me, man, hands would have been thrown. I can tell you, with comments like that, outcome be damned. I don't care what the team or what the league does to me, man. You don't say that. You know, you, you, you air your dirty laundry to the press. You deserve everything that's coming at you after that. You know, your teammate and your player for Rivers and Embiid, they're going through something. Yeah, I get it, you lost a game, but you have to be bigger, you have to be better. You 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 help your team by helping him when he's down. You know, and like I said, Doc, with his experience, should have known better. And in my opinion, from Embiid and Rivers, 
no apology is going to make up for that. The trust is gone. You know, I would want a pound of flesh if I was Ben Simmons. That I can tell you, if I was in his shoes, I would. And to be honest with you, I commend Simmons for sitting out. I, I do think that, you know, he got what he wanted to be happy. And to be honest with you, screw Joel Embiid and screw Doc Rivers. The hell with them. Play where you will be happy and do what you need to do to get it. You know, and I know David probably wouldn't agree with that, that it's the team first, but the team, you know, they don't deserve you at your best. And I know the whole thing, and David will talk about this, and he definitely wouldn't agree with it, but, you know, all the locker room creeds and creed, you know, don't quit on your team. But what happens when they quit on you first? I mean, Ben Simmons didn't didn't freeze and not take that shot because he quit on the 76ers. He did that because he had the basketball version of the yips, whatever it is. If he still has it, don't know. If it was a one-time thing and he would have been fine afterwards, don't know. He says he has dark days, so we have to take him for his word and we have to listen to it, whether or not, again, yes, there's always the possibility he's hiding behind that, but that's not for us to say. That's only for him. And if he says he's having dark days, we have to give him that benefit of the doubt and respect that. But he didn't quit on his team. They quit on him first. And what's the protocol for that? <laughs> no apologies is going to be acceptable for that because if that's how you feel, that's what you think. So how can he trust them after? I couldn't. So I hope Ben Simmons finds peace. I hope he finds his shot again. I hope he comes back from this. <sighs> It is a kind of disappointing that he's now on Kyrie Irving's team because I can't root for the for the Nets and I can't root for the 76ers. I don't know what I'm going to do if these teams come down to it in the East because I'm not going to care about it whatsoever. But uh, yeah, I do hope Ben Simmons if Ben Simmons has a career, whether it's with the Nets or it's elsewhere, I hope he comes back from this. So Thursday, the stories I want to cover are Kyrie and the New York City rules on vaccination and the Dallas Cowboys. So for those of you that don't know, New York City has rules of home players must be vaccinated to play in their arena. And since Kyrie is anti-vax, he can't play in Brooklyn. But visiting players can play unvaxed. So he could technically play in New York, the Knicks, so I should say, but he didn't in their last game. And... No one really knows, even including the new mayor and Adam Silver, about these rules and what's going on. Now, I don't support Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, I'm kind of tired of his hot air, to be honest. But for me, to be honest with you, even this is too much. Uh, You know, I don't think the people who came up with this rule really thought fully through it, especially when you have multiple teams in New York. Uh, And I think this kind of feels like moving the goalpost a little bit which is partially, I think, why people are tired of all these restrictions and these rules. And I think that they need to either fix it or change it. You know, and it really doesn't make sense that you can either play or not. You know, I mean, it's fine if they want to do it that you're not vaxxed, you can't play. But why is it okay for a visiting player to play, but not a home player? So the visiting player is not vaccinated, and he can play, but the home player can't? Like, uh, what? I mean, the visiting player is going to infect people just as much as... A home player would. It kind of, to be honest with you, this hurts my head. And David states that this rule will be changed. And after this fiasco, after this fubar, I I agree. Uh, I do think it's definitely going to be changed. I don't know how quickly, but I do think for the playoffs it's going to be changed, especially if the Nets are in the playoffs. They're going to want to get this changed so that there's not a fiasco like this. 
because it's especially if there's another team I don't know I can't remember I think the Knicks I know they've had a bit of a slide lately but again playing games if there's anything like that that could be you are gonna see a change and especially with football and 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 hockey playing you are gonna I think definitely see a change for the playoffs so the Dallas Cowboys are in the press again and this time for all the wrong reasons 2.4 million dollar 2.4 million reasons to be exact a 2.4 million dollar settlement after an investigation of another degenerate human being a Richard Dalrymple so in 2015 for those of you that don't know Dalrymple filmed cheerleaders changing in their locker room on dressing he filmed it through a camera and one of the cheerleaders noticed and she hit the fans Dalrymple was uh, I believe Jerry Jones PR guy for decades and he has maintained any wrongdoing from the beginning and so they had a settlement with this they wanted to do it to avoid an investigation and the NFL has since confirmed that there won't be one surprise surprise and so the NF the Dallas Cowboys agreed to pay these cheerleaders 2.4 million you know and David makes a good point from all of this is how this is a problem and how are there still people like this you know he talks about movies from his past that have not aged well and that he is a person and and has grown and seen these movies and scenes for what they are such as the movies like Porky's and the similar scene like this uh, and how those scenes are wrong and I, I agree with that you know there are things even in my lifetime that I look back on and think that was acceptable by any standards back then I mean again in my lifetime and that are that are changed so I think I think it is things are changing and I do agree that there are societies moving forward but I do agree with David that there are still people who haven't grown and they still find things like Porky's funny and they still do things like Dalrymple and they think it's not a problem and I think that is a big problem you know and the hope that David has and he talks about is that you know younger people as they get older they realize these things are wrong and they help end the misogyny and I hope that that happens too but I'm also a bit of a bit of a pessimist and I don't think that I don't think that it's ever going to go away and I don't think it's going to have the society changing effect of our generation getting older uh, I think that people who do what Dalrymple did and those who don't think it's a problem and then there are uh, a lot of people who still think that they think it's funny or they think it's not a big issue oh he's not sharing it he's not posting it to the internet it's only for him well, that doesn't make it right that it's just <laughs> filming cheerleaders changing in the locker room without their permission hidden cameras it doesn't matter if you're posting it to the internet or for your own private collection because you're a cretin it, that 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 doesn't excuse it doesn't make it right it's across the board no but there are people who don't have a problem with it. there are people who think you know and for younger people or something like that they'll say boys will be boys that that is still said today and I think that it's really a crapshoot for people like that to grow and to see it that it's wrong you know and it's fine to say that you know David can look back on his past and things that he thought were funny that they're no longer that it you know it hasn't aged and we always hear that people talk about well that hasn't aged well but I think that people like that who look back on their past and think that something hasn't aged well and it's no longer funny or no longer acceptable I to be honest with you I think they're a minority I think that 
you know, if it was the majority, we would see more progress. And I think, I don't want to get too political about this, and I or any political about it, but I think, you know, uh, people like Dalrymple wouldn't exist at all because somebody would have kicked him out long ago. Don't tell me that this was the first time Dalrymple hasn't done something. Maybe not to this level, but something, something similar to it. You don't pay out 2.4 million if they didn't find something or find things that they went 2.4 million might be per person if we let this go into an investigation so we'll pay him off keep him happy and move on you know I do hope that people like Dalrymple and other cretins and degenerate human beings like him will start to disappear I do wonder how long it will take for them to do so and unfortunately how many lives will they harm in disappearing you know, I think that $2.4 million is a joke. I do think the NFL should investigate. And to be honest with you, I think $2.4 million per cheerleader sounds like a good start to me, not for the group. You know, make it hurt. Make teams have to pay. And make them look at their staff and get rid of people like Dalrymple, people who might think this is okay or don't think it's a problem. You know, uh, when you start making it, you know, David always says, you know, it's just business, nothing personal. Well, when you do that and make it business they'll start to change. They'll get rid of these people and these people will realize that this is no longer okay and it's no longer acceptable and it won't take, you know, as David talks about growing up and, and looking back on your childhood and your past, people might take the onus themselves and going, huh, they're getting rid of everybody who thinks that Dalrymple is fine and don't see it as a big deal. Maybe I should learn and change without having to, to, to do this and, and grow faster. And I think that could be that could be the result, and I think that's something that we should want as a society. So, you know, I think it's I think it's NFL needs to investigate, hands down. Friday's story that I want to cover is the Rams parade and the social media fallout from it. So, for those for anyone who missed it, during the Rams parade, a photographer fell off the stage, and social media noticed it, and they noticed how Matthew Stafford reacted, or in their opinion, didn't react. So they. The camera angle that everybody's mad about shows this photographer falling off the stage and Stafford looking at it, or supposedly, and continuing to walk on. Now, and of course, then he goes and gets raked over the coals for it, and the Rams do. And so the Rams and Stafford make a joint statement about how they're going to pay for this photographer's cameras, which he said they all broke, and how they're going to cover her medical bills. Uh, she fractured her spine. So how did we get here? Well, one of the things, uh, you know, as David points out about the social media dragging Matthew Stafford, which is really how this all started, was David points out as, you know, does the video really show us Stafford refusing to help? As he talks about, when you see something, your your instinct is to always dive forward. Even if you're not going to, you know, do the full movie dive to save them, you're going to kind of lunge forward and go, ooh, can I help them? And split second go, I can't you're going to make a move. You're not just going to stare at them and walk away, and I agree with that. Uh, you know, yes, just because he didn't make that, uh, this quick conclusion of the camera angle or a photo doesn't doesn't guarantee us that he even saw it. As David said, did he even see it? And we jumped to the conclusion that oh, Matthew Stafford saw this photographer falling and didn't do anything. Wow, what an a-hole. Well, time to rake him over the coals in the L.A. Rams. But we did he even see this person fall? There's no guarantee that he saw it just because somebody's looking in that direction. Did he see it, and did it even register? Just because your mind is, is talking about a speech you just gave, 
just because you you might be your head is facing that direction doesn't mean it even registered. Yes, his wife saw it, but that's because she might have been not focused on the speech, or she was looking over, or she registers it. Loads of times that you you know you're off in your own little world and you didn't notice something. So just because he might have been looking in that direction or or whatever, doesn't mean it registered. You know, he, there are people who don't even register things uh, when they're when they're doing stuff. Uh, you know, from my my personal, not really personal, but example I can think of this that came to my head right about now was uh, there is a. It's, again, I'm getting to be like David here with my asides. Uh, there is a Vice YouTube series with Simon Ostrovsky, who he covers in 2014 the Russian invasion of Crimea. Now, I'm not getting political, but anyways, the then president, newly elected president, Petro Poroshenko, when walking into his inauguration, he has this lined red carpet of soldiers. And as he's going up the steps, one of the soldiers faints and, and passes out, and Poroshenko doesn't react. And he does this right behind Poroshenko. And he just continues on walking. Did he even see the person? Did he even register? His mind is thinking a thousand different things. So if he can have somebody collapse and a rifle collapse and fall and doesn't even, like, budge, he didn't react in any way, shape, or form. You have all this sound behind you. If he doesn't react, how do you... What's to say Matthew Stafford even registered it, as David said? So to go back to it, you know, bring it back to the Rams, just because something happens near you, in your sightline, around you as you're walking past, doesn't mean you register it. So if you don't register it, you don't even know what happened. So how can you be raking someone over the coals for this? So, again, we get to see the lovely, responsible social media doing the right thing of just raking someone over the coals before we even know the full story and, again, jump to conclusions. So that's kind of his covering on that, but then the next thing we cover, and I just wanted to give it that because of the lovely social media, but after this went viral, how do we get the joint statement? So according to David, you know, and this is from the front office side of things, uh, after this went viral for all the wrong reasons, the PR people call the Rams president, and at the same time Stafford would have been calling his agent and basically saying, what do we do, how do we stop this? And the agent then calls the president and says, hey, how do you stop this? My guy's getting killed out here. And they would have agreed to make a statement to put out the fire. And as the owner, they would have made the decision to pay f pay it. Just to say, pay it, get rid of it, move on. And so that's why we get the joint statement. But as David does point out, is that only the Rams are going to be paying. That it might be a joint statement, but Matthew Stafford's not paying a dime. It's the Rams paying everything, which is interesting. But of course, it also makes sense. You know, they wouldn't ask Stafford to pay, but they do have to address it, and they also have to give cover for him. This is their quarterback. Not quarterback moving forward. They want to win another Super Bowl. And the Rams can pay hell. Stan Kroenke can find that in his couch. But, you know, the end result is the social media mob gets his pound of flesh and pats itself on the back for making a bad person and a bad organization pay. Come on, people. Uh, I'm sure the Rams would have helped out regardless. Uh, it happened to their parade. You could have brought it to their attention. You didn't need to, to burn Matthew Stafford and the Rams at the stake for this. But, you know, it's more of the same. Now the social media mob gets to take its pitchforks and move on to somewhere else and somewhere else to the next scandal that has to be corrected by the social media justice mob. <laughs> more of the same. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of No Offense with Matt Shepard, one fan's review of the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. You know, I, I do thank you for listening uh, to this, and I hope you don't take any offense to what I had to say. Till next time, bye.